Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Uh, for example, you're going to be able to get an Amtrak and instead of going through the tunnel of Baltimore at 30 miles an hour because nothing's been done under the Chesapeake Bay for under the, the Baltimore River, uh, the Baltimore area for 80 years. They're going to be able to go at 100, through at 100 miles an hour. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. Head to blazetv.com slash Stu. Help us push back against the rapid, unscheduled disassembly of America. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, just like the video right now. We're fine with you watching on YouTube. You're not a subscriber. That's okay. But subscribe to the channel at least. We'd appreciate that. Hit the bell for notifications and do all the things. Anna Giertelli is going to be here from the Washington Examiner. And she's actually in El Paso. She's got the latest on the border crisis as we near the end date of Title 42. It's Title 42 week, everybody. And it's going to be quite an interesting one. It's a brand new week uh, as well. So we've got a brand new edition of Everything is Racist for you. But we start by doing the Allen, Texas shooting. Uh, Allen, of course, is close to where we are right now, uh, th within driving distance. Uh, this uh, series of murders happened at uh, the Allen Premium Outlets, which is, uh, you know, an outdoor mall shopping center type of situation. Uh, I've been there before. Uh, the only reason I think that's maybe a bit notable is that uh, I think a lot of times conservatives get accused of being callous and, and not caring about these violent act, uh, act, actions because we care about the Second Amendment. Well, look, you know, when you're seeing a mass shooting uh, be held at a place where you go every once in a while, it, it does hit you in a different way. It does. And it's understandable. When you see it in a school, you think about your kid's school. We always personalize these events at some level. And it doesn't make them any more easy to deal with. I mean, it's, it's difficult to look at this stuff. An absolutely senseless, nonsensical world that we live in. It really does feel like, at times, everything is out of control. Of course, you have to get past those emotions. That's one of the, I swear, one of the central freaking things we do on this show. Every single day we come in here and there's some emotional story. And I, what I try to do is rip out any of that emotion, suck it out with a vacuum, and then try to talk to you in a calm, sober, rational way. That is really like what I think is missing so much from our society at this point. Because we can go and have all the same arguments over and over again. We can go and rehash all these things. We can have people yelling their big things so they can raise money. Like, wait, well, what's this guy's name? Uh, Roland Gutierrez. He says Abbott can go to hell. Oh, wow. Imagine the clicks he's getting for that one because he's so impassioned. He really, really cares. He's not just doing that for his own political interest. Not at all. No, sir. This is a very serious thing. He go to hell, Gergamot! Grr! It's almost just like when, um, what's his face? Who's the dopey um, guy that ran for like 14 offices and lost them all? What was his name? Uh, Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke. Remember when Beto O'Rourke came in and he was like, I'm good, Greg Abbott, I'm in the crowd! And I don't like what you're doing that you're bad, Greg Abbott! How are, the, how are the polls doing? Greg, you're bad. This is going to win me the gubernatorial election, isn't it? Uh, no, Beto, it, it doesn't. People don't fall for this. They know what you're doing over and over and over again when you make all these things, these terrible incidents about you. They know exactly what you're doing here. And 
here we are in a situation where we got to deal with another one of these things. And look, I don't, I don't like talking about this stuff. I, I wish I could be talking to you about something better. But if we're going to think about how to actually improve this situation in the country, we need to approach it in a sober, rational manner, not go to hell, Craig Abbott, you're bad. So what did you get almost immediately? Well, of course, you got the media who went to guns, first of all, and then went to White supremacism. It's always white supremacism. Is, have there been any crimes not committed by a white supremacist? Even the black people in this country that commit crimes are white supremacists, according to the media. It's incredible. Uh, this one happens to be an African-American, or excuse me, a, a Hispanic-American. Now, I, I don't know why the website has a picture of Hakeem Jeffries here, because I don't think he was the guy who uh, committed these murders. But if, if I'm wrong on that, I can't tell you that because I, I don't like giving the, uh, the names of the shooters because I don't want to give them any credit. It's the one thing in the media we actually can do, and many studies have shown make a difference, the notoriety of the murderer. So we don't tell you who this person is. Uh, but we will tell you that he was a Hispanic guy. Now, the only reason that makes any difference per se is because they're trying to call him a white supremacist, which I... Okay, you know, I mean, look, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's what we'll find out. I guess he had a some sort of badge on uh, what he was wearing that said RWDS, which stands for Right Wing Death Squad. And you'd think, as an evil Right Wing Second Amendment supporter, I'd know all about the Right Wing Death Squad, but honestly, just hearing about it today, to be frank with you. Uh, sounds like a wonderful organization, though, I'm sure. If you're a member of it, you know, it's that, that old uh, meme that used to go around this, you know, with the two Nazis looking at each other and, and their uniforms with the skulls on them, and they say, are we the baddies? And, like, maybe you are if you're in the right-wing death squad. I just got to throw it out there. Maybe you are the, the problem. That could be, could be part of it. Um, and, of course, uh, if you uh, happen to look at this situation a little bit differently and happen to think mental health is a bigger issue here when it comes to these mass shootings, which there's some evidence of, the gunman who killed eight people at a Texas mall was removed from the military due to mental health concerns, source says. How many times have we been down these roads? How many times? And, of course... It's guns. It's guns. It's guns. It's guns. It's guns. It's always blaming the guns. Every single time, I don't think they actually think anything's going to be done with guns. Uh, maybe they do. Uh, they certainly want to take all of your guns. They would love that. They would absolutely adore it. But it's very difficult to do in this country for many, many reasons. We should point out the obvious, I suppose. Mass shootings are really bad, and I don't like them. I don't want them to happen, and I think anyone uh, who is sane feels that way. If you happen to be in the right-wing death squad, maybe you feel a different way. I don't know. But, I mean, mass shootings are really, really terrible. It's something that we have to deal with, and it's something, sadly, that does happen uh, in this country. Um, and, you know, it, people are like, oh, well, you can't even feel 100% safe in a mall. Well, you can never feel 100% safe from anything. You can never feel 100% safe. This is just another one of the long list of threats that happen to you every single day. You could get into a terrible car accident in 15 minutes. I hope it's not you. I hope you're not listening to this podcast uh, and you get in a car accident, largely because then you won't be listening tomorrow and I have to sell advertising. So I want you to come back. But I mean, in reality, we all realize that we are in a situation where risk is, uh, is, is, is there. It's, it's something, it's part of all of our lives. And unfortunately, in this country, largely because of cultural reasons, uh, we have a situation where the big cultural crime is a mass shooting. In, it's not that in Arab countries, for example. There, it's bombings. It's not that in Europe. Usually, it's people getting run over at big uh, par parades. 
We have in Japan, it's suicide. There's a lot of things that happen uh, when it comes to large attention getting acts of violence. We saw we've seen assassinations recently uh, in Japan. These things do occur in other places, but they don't always come in the same form. Usually culture builds that up. So, look, you know, the FBI says about 100 people a year die in mass shootings. That's 100, exactly 100 too many. I want that number to be zero. But if we actually care about looking at gun violence and what we can do to minimize it, is it a smart approach to constantly focus on the 100 people a year who die in mass shootings? Or would it be maybe more appropriate to focus on another part of this problem, especially because over and over and over again, mass shooters have cited that their search for fame, their search for uh, notoriety, their search for attention to their manifestos, which uh, sadly for the Nashville shooter could just get not, no attention to it because they won't release it. Uh, all over and over and over again, these things have been cited as reasons why these these uh, big mass shootings occur. So giving them more and more attention, and particularly the in- individuals involved, more and more attention, doesn't make all that much sense. It also is really hard to do anything about the gun violence pro- pro- uh, problem when you're focusing on incredibly rare events that end in relatively small amounts of death per year. We have about 30 to 40,000 gun deaths per year in this country. Wouldn't it be smarter to try to trim some off of the 40,000 number rather than trying to get the 100 to zero? Now, of course, you try to get the 100 to zero. We, of course, try to do that. But wouldn't it be more sensible to try to lower the overall number by attacking the giant bucket of 30,000 over there instead of the 100 over here? It's a lot harder to lower a number like 80 or 100 to zero than it is to get a number from 30,000 to 29,000 or 25,000. These are largely preventable shootings. Why don't we focus on that? And it has to do with what the media cares about. Media doesn't care about all those other deaths. They don't care about gun deaths that that aren't with an AR-15. They don't care about the things that actually make a difference. And that's a real problem. More than half of that number, that 30,000, 40,000 number, are suicides. But how much coverage do suicides get in the media? Almost none. We have things we can do. People, people usually who are suicidal are people who want to live but have given up hope. Well, that's something we can do something about. When you have a person who wants to kill as many people as possible, it's really difficult to catch that person because usually, in many of these cases, they don't always have warning signs. They don't, you don't always know. Now, in the case of the situation in Allen, there were some signs there, and maybe that could have been caught earlier. It seems like it should have been caught earlier. When you have a, a, a discharge due to mental health concerns from the military, can you buy a gun? I don't think legally, if it was handled correctly. But really, I mean, what does it make a difference? They could probably get a gun anyway. We have an open border. Even if they wanted to drive into Mexico to get the gun and bring it back across the border, they could do it. Guns, gun, accessibility to guns on this continent is not much, of a, not much of a problem. Now, what about gang violence? What about violence in inner city communities? That's the other big chunk. If you kind of think of gun violence in three different chunks. You've got the suicide, which is the biggest one. The second biggest one, which is like 40% of gun deaths, 
are um, through other violence, right? We're talking about inner city violence, gang violence, uh, violence related to the drug trade, all of the things that you would kind of typically think of, you know, anything HBO makes a series out of, basically. And then the third bucket are mass shootings. Well, mass shootings are much smaller than 1% of the problem and gets about, what, 95% of the coverage? About 95, 95% of our attention? Why? It just doesn't make sense. And it's also the one that actually wants attention. The other ones don't want attention. Drug dealers don't want more attention on what they're doing. They want less attention on what they're doing. Yet, for some reason, we constantly put all of our attention on mass shootings. It makes no sense whatsoever. Maybe we, I don't know, enforce existing gun laws. You know, I think it was Charles C.W. Cook is the first person I heard make this point, and it's a great one, which is Republicans want gun control. They do. We want the gun laws that are in place to actually be enforced. That's the gun control we want, right? We want gun control uh, in the period of we have gun laws, follow the gun laws. If you break the gun laws, you should, you should have action against you. Hunter Biden is a good example of this. He obviously broke gun laws. No one seems to care. The Democrats want to pass new gun laws, but not enforce the other ones, because if you actually enforce the other gun laws, what you'd get is a lot of people who are their voters going to jail. Okay, people from inner cities, people in uh, big metropolis type uh, settings, people who are younger, people who are involved in gangs and criminal enterprises. Those are the people who are typically violating gun laws. It's not the farmer in Idaho who's doing that. So they don't want to put those people behind bars. In fact, they hire prosecutors to make sure they never go there. So these people who are convicted or are charged with gun crimes wind up out of prison in 15 seconds to go shoot somebody else. Why don't we focus on something like that? Let me give you another sort of side example here to bring this point home, because it was a tough week here in Texas. Eight dead, 10 injured when an SUV strikes a crowd near a migrant shelter. Now, you may have seen this video, and I hope you didn't, because it's horrific. We don't want anyone to, for this to happen. Again, if you, if you want to commit a mass killing, once again, we find out you don't need a gun to do it. You don't need a gun to, to commit a mass crime. But we don't know for sure if this was a terrible accident, if it was a drunk driver, or if it was intentional. We don't know. They're investigating that now. It really could go either way. We don't know at this point. Um, it, it, you know, it's certainly suspicious. Um, Brownsville PD continues to investigate claim, claims that the bus stop crash was intentional. But let me give you a little bit about this person here who committed this uh, this act of violence if it was intentional. There are uh, accusations that he said something about the migrants. He said um, he let's see. Do we have the quote in this one? Uh, it might have been in the other article I was looking at. But he said something about uh, about the, he said they were invaders, I believe, was the quote. We do not know if that's confirmed yet. It's possible. It's true. But let me give you just the background of this particular person. He has an extensive rap sheet. His criminal history includes aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, assault against elderly or disabled, assaulting, uh, assault causing bodily injury to a family member, assault of a public servant, burglary of a vehicle, assault causing bodily, bodily injury, criminal mischief, driving while intoxicated, evading arrest, detention, interference with public duties, obstruction or retaliation, possession of marijuana, resisting arrest, search or transport and theft of property and on and on and on and on it goes. Why was this person out 
and available to either have a bad accident or drunk drive or intentionally run over a bunch of people. Why? Why do we have this conversation over and over again with people who cross this line of illegality multiple times and then are just out to do it again? Why? Why does this happen? You know, I've never been arrested. Maybe I'm just a boring guy. I don't know. Maybe I I don't do anything that uh, is particularly interesting to authorities. Maybe because I'm white. I don't know what the reason is. But a lot of people I know, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, haven't been arrested. They live their entire lives somehow avoiding this. Yet there's other people who cross that line constantly and get arrested 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 times if you want to go to a New York subway. Why does this happen? Who are these people? And why are they allowed to continually attack the civilization we're trying to keep intact here? Why does this happen over and over and over again? And why are we moving toward rogue DAs like Alvin Bragg, like wherever, fill in the city, some Soros-backed DA that's going to let everybody out to commit crimes over and over and over again, to take high-level gun crimes, lower them to low-level ones, and get let people out. These are the people committing the crimes. Over and over and over again, this has been shown to be true. Let me take you back to 1995 with uh, Harvard's uh, 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 Stephen Levitt. Uh, this is the study that they showed when they looked at, hey, people are talking about overcrowded prisons. What happens when we let someone out from prison? What are the effects of that? Here are the, here's the quote. The results are robust across all of the crime categories examined. For each one prisoner reduction induced by prison overcrowding litigation, the total number of crimes committed increases by approximately 15 per year. The social benefit from eliminating those 15 crimes is approximately $45,000. The annual per prisoner cost of incarceration are roughly $30,000. Got it? So you take a person out of jail because you think, oh, it's too crowded. Let's take them out. Let's release them to the streets. What you get is an extra 15 crimes a year on average. 15. They boiled this down in Freakonomics as well. The evidence linking increased punishment with lower crime rates is very strong. Harsh prison terms have been shown to act as both deterrent for the would-be criminal on the street and prophylactic for the would-be criminal who is already locked up. This is the low-hanging fruit here, trying to pick somebody who, in some cases, has no criminal record, no mental health record, trying to stop that person from going in and buying a gun and shooting up some terrible area and committing mass murder is really freaking hard to do. Thank God we have heroic police officers vilified every other day of the year that happen to be nearby to take this guy out so it didn't get any worse. But these are terrible, terrible incidents, but are very difficult to try and stop. Remember, this is a country that has already 400 million guns on the streets. 400 million. This is not, a, this is not Sim City. We're not starting with basic polities from the dawn of time. You have a gun culture that is deeply embedded in this nation. You're not getting rid of 400 million guns. I got news for you. And your gun control solution will likely put more guns on the street Just so you know, last time when they banned assault weapons, that was the result. More guns on the street, not fewer, more. Now we have even more than that. So what, and by the way, that same bill was designated by the DOJ to have done nothing to affect gun violence rates. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. 
didn't do anything. So what do you do? You want to overturn the Second Amendment? Good luck with that. It's going to be really hard politically to accomplish. Even if you did it, then all the states would just pass amendments saying that they want guns. At least all the red ones would. You'd still have lots of guns on the street. And then, by the way, there's 400 million of them. What are you going to do? Go get them all? Good luck with that one. That's going to be a fun. You know what? I can't wait to sit back and see how that turns out because that's going to be an interesting one to do. The bottom line is you could sit here and blab and say, go to hell, Greg Abbott, all you want, and you're going to get nothing done. There are two massive buckets of violence that we could actually stop and make some severe inroads in when it comes to gun violence. Can we, can we lower suicides with improved mental health treatment? Can we empower parents to try to get their kids under control if they see kids going down the wrong road? We can do those things. We can do things uh, such as, as well, targeting repeat offenders who are largely the ones doing this. We can control our border so that we don't have people who don't care about the law. Obviously, they're crossing the border, coming here and often committing crimes as well. We can do things to lower that. And if we can lower those buckets by 10 percent, it's going to do much more than eliminating all the mass shootings combined. Can we get smart about this? Can we get calm and sober and rational about this instead of freaking out and losing our minds because the, the left wants you to act emotionally? They want to get under your skin. They want to bother you. They want to make you think without reason. But that's not how problems actually get solved. Let's look at this. Let's make things better using a calm, rational approach instead of throwing our hands in the air and screaming at our political opponents and trying to raise money so you can stay in power and get a couple nice steak dinners out of it. That's just not the right way to go here. I thought we all understood that. Obviously, I was wrong. But maybe we could take a different path from this instead of doing the same thing that we always do and try to actually lower gun violence with calm, rational reasoning instead of bizarre and wild emotion. Well, if you're anything like me, you have a tendency to put things off until the very last minute. And while a lot of times it works out, the one thing you really cannot afford to wait on is setting up term coverage life insurance. If you've probably seen these you know, insurance commercials at night and think, yeah, you know, I'll get to that at some point. You know, this isn't something that you can wait on. Choose life insurance through Ladder today. Ladder is 100% digital, no doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, just answer a few questions about your health in an application. You just need a few minutes and a phone to, or, you know, whatever, a computer to apply. Uh, Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. No hidden fees. You can cancel any time. Get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued... Uh, by insurers with long proven histories of paying, playing, uh, paying claims. They are, of course, rated A and A plus by AM Best. So go to ladderlife.com slash stew today. See if you're instantly approved. L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash stew. Ladderlife.com slash stew. Well, it's Title 42 week, everybody. Uh, we've been, we're going to be focusing a lot on the border this week. It's going to become a bigger and bigger story as this week goes on. I want to bring in Anna Giertelli. She's a Homeland Security correspondent for the Washington Examiner, and she joins us now. She's in El Paso, Texas right now. Anna, thanks so much for coming on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, you're in uh, El Paso right now, hopefully somewhere safe. Uh, it is, I mean, seeing the footage of El Paso, it doesn't even seem like it's an American city right now. What can you tell us about what it is like down there? Yeah, so in downtown, you know, there's parts you would never know that this is happening. Uh, and then there's other parts of downtown where uh, the city last night made the decision itself to block off all uh, vehicular traffic down these roads where there's now about 2,500 Border Patrol told me today, uh, 2,500 people uh, living outside on the street, coming and going all around there. Um, and it's really become um, a difficult issue for the city to handle and with potentially more people coming across uh, every day. It really is incredible to see this happening in an American city. Uh, you know, I've seen some of the footage around uh, one of these churches where it seems like people are surrounding this church trying to basically get some sort of, uh, you know, a house of worship amnesty when, uh, when police come by, if they happen to. This problem is growing and growing and growing, and it's only about to get worse. Is that right? Yeah, so right now, over the last three days, we've seen a nationwide Border Patrol arrested 8,700 people per day on average. Um, if you recall, under President Obama, Jay Johnson, his Homeland Security Secretary, had said a bad day would be 1,000 arrests. Wow. So we're at 8,700 right now. We're expecting it to go up to 13 to 18,000. But the thing is, Border Patrol is 20,000 agents nationwide. There comes a point when you know, Border Patrol can only arrest so many people. So there's there's inevitably going to be a lot of people who are able to evade them. And we know of tens of thousands just this year of gotaways that have, have already occurred. I feel like and we're, we've been at, like, there was that really crappy movie that came out in 2012 called 2012. And it was this thing where like there was like the Mayan calendar and the end of the world is coming. And we had a lot of time to prepare for that, whatever was going to happen. I kind of feel like the same thing here with Title 42, where they have been saying, we've known this is coming. This is going to end eventually. It was a COVID-era restriction. It's been elongated past the, the original intent of it, I think. And now you're looking at this thing ending this week. The administration is saying, we've had a year to prepare for this. I guess they're expecting good results. What do we think is really going to happen? Yeah, this this is the third time that they've tried to end it. President Biden campaigned in 2020 on I'm going to end Title 42. Um, and, and it got held up in the court. It was supposed to end May 23rd last year. The second time they tried to end it in December, it got delayed again. Um, there's a very low chance it could could face some legal issues in the next coming few days. But we're not expecting that. Um but the, the Biden administration at DHS put together a group in September of 2021 to say, OK, let's prepare for how to end Title 42. And so, you know, they keep saying we have a plan. We're ready. Um, I think they're going to have to really deliver on that. And if they don't, there's going to be a lot of a lot of questions probably from lawmakers, Republicans saying, um, you know, what what? <laughs> Were you kidding when you said you were going to be ready? Because, you know, that's not what's happening right now. Uh, you've been talking, I know, to Border Patrol quite a bit. What are they thinking? What, what are, are, are they panicked? Do they have any idea what's coming their way? I, w I would say two things I've picked up from Border Patrol. Um, I mean, they've been, uh, they've been in really bad spirits the last two years. Um, but beyond that, they're... 
they're one, um, I think some of them are fearful of what, what this week's going to look like. Um, I, I just, I met with a, a guy today. Um, we, we met up somewhere actually, and I'm sitting in my car and I got into his car and we traded some information. Well, he, he gave me some information. I didn't have anything to give him. Um, and I said, are you, are you scared for, you know, what you're telling me could, could happen? And he said, no, it's, it's just, it's just work. Um, but, but I think, you know, I said to him, our title 42 ending in El Paso downtown, you know, is it a public safety issue? And he said, absolutely. So I think part of the concern is they're fearful because they don't know what's going to happen. Um, are thousands of people going to surge across at once? And what does that mean? And do you take, um, you know, what kind of action do you take to punitive action to turn people away or do you not? Um, so, yeah. And I, the other thing is I think they're just in a way completely phased out sometimes. Mm. It's like, well, it's, it's just, you know, what's a few thousand more when you're already at 8,000. Uh, I mean, that's, it's, it's hard to hear. And I, I think, I'd have to imagine part of this, too, from a Border Patrol perspective, is you're dealing with all these new problems that are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know if there's an opportunity to make you into the bad guy, this administration will take it. We saw that with, you know, oh, they're whipping migrants from horses. They'll, they'll take anything real or imagined to try to turn the anger of the American people not against them, but against the border agents, I mean, this has to be an impossible position for these guys. Yeah, they do feel like they are in a tough position. And this week, there's some stuff that that is being considered right now um, by in Washington at Border Patrol's headquarters for how to respond to these things. And that's one of the things that I'd heard from a senior official up at the headquarters today saying, you know, we have a plan. We know what we want to do. It's not public yet. Um but our agents are scared that, you know, if they go through with this plan, they're they're going to end up being the ones getting all the blame. And, and even though it's not their it's not their plan, it's coming from Washington. Mm. Uh, you've been going to the border for a, a long time now, right? about five years. Um, and yeah, you've been yeah. you've been down and seen, you know, there have been spikes in that time. There was a, a pretty big spike for a short period of time, even under Donald Trump. Uh, but the. Mm-hmm. This is different, right? I mean, what is the, can you kind of give us a sense of the scale, the difference between what you were seeing a few years ago and what you're seeing now? Yeah, so historically, you know, we see border numbers, you know, go up and down, right? And then when I say border numbers, I mean the number of people who are crossing illegally between the ports of entry and then get caught. Um, Over the past decade, um, under late Bush, into Obama, and under Trump, we typically saw thirty to 50,000 people apprehended per month at the southern border. Um, under President Biden, we've been between 150,000 to 300,000 every oh month. God. And so it's this really, I mean, it's over two years and three months now. It's very, it's been normalized. Um, and, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to get back to those numbers, but we're, we're um, it is different. And to a certain extent, you know, like I haven't been inside a Border Patrol facility uh, since the Biden administration took over. Um, I don't get the access that I that I used to. Um, so I can't even see the full um, perspective of what's going on. And I think that's 
that's what makes it difficult too. Uh, if people can see what's going on inside, you know, it's, it's only federal, uh, you know, federal agents, uh, contractors for the government who are inside and can really see the scale of everything happening. How, how big of a part of a story is, is just that though? I mean, you know, the fact that if, if, if a Republican administration was eliminating access for journalists to see what's going on behind a big story, that would be everywhere. The New York Times would be complaining about it every single day. MSNBC would be talking about it every single day. But when they're keeping journalists, it seems to be both you know, maybe uh, left-leaning journalists and right-leaning journalists out so they can't see anything at all. Uh, isn't that a huge part of the problem here that people don't even know what's going on? Yeah, you know, I was just telling somebody um, on the plane on my flight here, uh, and they said I, I had no idea it was it was like this still going on at the border, uh, and yeah, I mean, every administration has the ability to to prioritize certain types of things, and certainly, um, you know, the Washington Examiner is a conservative leading edit, uh, outlet as far as our opinion section. Um, and so, you know, the, the Biden administration is not dumb. They take these things into consideration. Um, they don't say let a, a reporter from our outlet come out. It might be a, a, a more critical story than if they let a, a reporter from, say, the L.A. Times come out. Um, but, but to your point, the New York Times actually came out two weeks ago with a really scathing report that the Biden administration has lost 85,000 unaccompanied children who came over the border. Hmm. Um, and so it's not just conservative media outlets um, or mainstream outlets. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of questions being asked. And even in this hearing about that story, uh, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal and a former HHS official, uh, Health and Human Services, who take care of the kids in custody, they both said, well, you know, it just means that 85,000 kids didn't answer the calls when we called to check up on them. And one of the Republicans said, if you're just calling to check up on them, you're not doing your job. You're not doing justice by these kids. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so that's the that's the state we're in. Mm. It's amazing. Anna Giotelli, uh, Homeland Security correspondent for The Washington Examiner. I know you're down there. I know you're covering this stuff. Please stay safe. And and we really do appreciate you doing all the hard work so people like me can sit in the studio and, and just be nice in the air conditioning. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. <laughs> thanks. Appreciate it. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Ah, yes, every single thing is racist. And normally, we use this segment to highlight absurd claims of racism that aren't actually racist, right? That's kind of the way we use this. Today, we're going into uncharted, uncharted territory here because we're going to give you two instances where white people use the N-word, the actual N-word. We're going to give it to you here. Uh, and you tell me, are these, are these racists that deserve to be fired or suspended? Or is this just a completely ridiculous society we've developed? We start with the Oakland A's. Uh, Oakland A's broadcaster Glenn uh, Kuyper, he was on the air. And if you're going to have a terrible mistake while you're broadcasting a sporting event and you're going to 
unintentionally utter a racial slur. You want it to be in a game between the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals because chances are literally zero people are watching. But unfortunately, somebody was watching, and of course, they had to report it and it had to turn into this big thing. I want to give you the full context, though. Here is Glenn Kuyper and him dropping the N-word. We had a phenomenal day today. Nature League Museum and Arthur Bryant's Barbecue. Now, look, what he meant to say was the Negro League Museum, which is, I think, the only time you're allowed to say Negro in his Negro League Museum. I think it's the only time. Uh, but he said the other word. Now, it's important to understand that literally every single person associated with the organization, including black players, famous black players from the team's history, have said, I know this guy. He is not a racist. He's not rocking around saying the N-word. He just made a terrible, terrible mistake. But of course, we can't just acknowledge that someone would make a terrible, terrible mistake. No, no. Instead, he is suspended with an investigation going on. We'll see what goes on with that one as well. And also, a case of cancel culture over at Barstool Sports. Now, you know Barstool Sports. They're very irreverent and, and certainly not a place you'd normally associate with cancel culture. However, they had one of their, uh, I guess, hosts come out and do the lyrics from a song that had the N-word in it. Now, as he was, I guess, on video during a live stream, host was reading uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony uh, lyrics out of the uh, out of in real time out of his phone and failed to catch himself before repeating the n-word out loud he immediately realized his mistake and apologized profusely after the fact he then said this morning i made an unforgivable mistake is it unforgivable to, to repeat a song lyric is that what kind of weird society are we in I mean, an unforgivable mistake slipping on air while reading a song lyric. I meant no harm and have never felt worse about anything. I mean, look, your life is pretty good. You've done a bit. Of, you, are you Mother Teresa? You don't feel worse about anything? You never felt worse in your entire life about anything than reading the lyric of a song that's the actual lyric? He apologizes for his actions. I am truly sorry and ashamed of myself. Uh, Dave Portnoy, who heads up uh, Barstool. Again, not a guy you'd think of when it comes to... Uh, cancel culture. He says, I hate the decision. I disagree with the decision. I would not have made the decision, but I don't deal with the things Penn, that's the parent company, deals with in terms of state regulators, etc. He said the company is highly regulated by the government uh, and of course relies on those gambling licenses. So if you do something bad, you could get in trouble. Look, neither one of these things, there's any evidence to point to that these people are racist or did anything, you know, in their past or that would associate with them and racism in any way. And yet here we are with one person completely out of a job, another person suspended from a job for reasons we all understand uh, that we're not racist, including by black fellow employees and players that say that it wasn't racist. And yet still here we are. We're still sitting here in a society where every single thing is racist. And I will tell you, you can't run a civilization that way. Everything is not racist, except for this segment, of course, where everything very much is racist. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Oh, what are we doing? All right, so you want to buy a home. You want to move. You're going to be moving out of your house. You need to sell it. You want to get the best price. You want to go to another place. And there, you want to buy 
with the best price possible as well. That's what we want to do. Well, when you do that, how do you do that? Well, you need the best real estate agent. You need the best real estate agent in your area. And the place to find that person is realestateagentsitrust.com. They work with the best agents in every market. They do their homework. They talk to every agent before inviting them to join the network. And they only work with full-time professionals, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Team makes the introduction, and then they follow you through the entire process, make sure you're happy. Uh, The agents involved have a long track record of success, and they've been screened. So you're not just guessing. You're not just picking someone out of an ad. You're not just clicking a website. You're finding somebody who really can help you. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. Uh, The team will contact you. They'll make the introduction and hook you up with the person you need in your town. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Biden's being a popular, a a Biden's being an extremist. God made me in her image. God made me transgender. This was the actual swab that was being used. Due to reasons we will never ever reveal, Tucker Carlson will not be seen tonight or ever again on this station. We apologize for the inconvenience and withdrawals. Did a cable network recently cancel your favorite show at 8 p.m.? Well, then you need Stu Does America. Elon Musk is not going to make your neighbor any less of an aggressive a-hole online. Smart analysis. You look at the trend of people who have died in climate-related disasters, we're down over 95%. 98%. 98%. Stupid 98%. Stupid jokes. Sounds like a new duo of superheroes. It's brother boy and sister girl. And only occasionally the opposite. We're still figuring this out. We still have no idea what the hell we're doing. Stu Does America. Sometimes they bring you stories, and I say, you're not going to believe this story. I don't believe this story. Every night, 8 p.m. Eastern on Blaze TV. Down the hatch. While cable does cancel culture, Stu does business as usual. <laughs> That's me, Stu the Stud. Subscribe now at blazetv.com slash Stu. There we go. Welcome to you. If you happen to be a Tucker viewer and over here for our 8 p.m. Eastern show, Tucker is looking to get a new gig. He wants to leave. The scoop is Tucker Carlson is ready to torch Fox News. What's interesting here is they talk about all the offers. He's going to get a lot of money wherever he goes, of course, or if he's going to create his own thing, he's going to do very, very well. Uh, There's a story here about Axios has learned that uh, Carlson and Elon Musk had a conversation about working together but didn't discuss specifics. That's kind of an interesting little nugget in the report. But one of the things they're talking about here is, you know, so far Carlson's been pretty nice about this. He hasn't come out and said, hey, uh, you know, he hasn't he has, his his allies haven't done this. People are going to Tucker Carlson and saying, hey, like, do you want me to torch Fox News? Because I don't like what they've done here. And he's been reportedly saying, no, don't don't do that. I want to try to get this thing solved. Uh, that can change. And I think that is the type of thing that's being leaked out in this report here. Look, this doesn't have to be the state of affairs. We should get this thing done so I can go to do my job. You don't have to pay me anymore. We can move on with our lives. Fox News so far not playing that game. We will see how this plays out for them. So far, we've seen the ratings, and they have not been good. They've been better here because, yeah, a lot of you people have come over here. We appreciate that. But uh, the Fox News ratings have been disaster down between 50 and 75%. So we will keep following this and let you know. Wherever Tucker winds up, we'll be on top of it for you. Well, uh, the new approach from the Biden administration on the debt ceiling seems to be, uh, 14th Amendment. We don't have to listen to it. Uh, They're throwing that against the wall. Look, you're going to try to get rid of the 14th Amendment. Let's just get rid of the 16th Amendment. We can unite on that, can't we? Repeal the 16thamendment.com. Repeal the 16thamendment.com. Get your stuff. 
their merch. We've got the shirts, we've got the mugs, and hopefully we won't have any more taxation in this current form. Check it out.